You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 288. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 288. You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Uh, oh hi! Oh, you ready to? Oh yeah, there we are. <laughs> are you ready to talk Sorry. to the audience? Yeah, I'm. I am so ready. You are. I am so ready. I'm liking this little afternoon delight that we've got going on here. If you say that, you might give the wrong impression That's to our true. audience. Okay, so we used to always record around eleven in the morning, mm-hmm. and now we're changing to two o'clock. And I'm really digging it. Yeah. I like the light streaming through into the office. Yeah, it's I mean, a the much Joy better Studios. light scheme. <laughs> I mean, it's just a totally different energy. <laughs> yeah, it's like a totally different vibe. Oh my gosh. Hey guys, welcome to the show. And we have an awesome brand new topic for you today. And it is all about dealing with loneliness. Oh. And this is something that I don't think we talk about as much in our society. And it really is is rampant and Mm. i think it's something that we kind of dismiss and we think like oh you just need a partner or oh you just need this and we try to slap on these easy remedies when in reality there might be something much deeper beneath the surface so we're going to look at that today and i think we've got some some good stuff coming up I'm, i'm excited about this i'm excited too oh you are i am yeah well not about loneliness but no yeah All right. Well, since you're so excited, why don't we pass the mic over to you? Oh, okay. Let's do it. For what? Why why are we doing that? Oh, I thought that was the intro part right there. No. No. Okay. This is it? Yeah, this is it. Wait, now? Yes. Okay. No, you say, this is the segment we like to call. (laughs) This is the segment we like to call. Would you rather? (laughs) (laughs) I'm off my game today. Oh my gosh, Man. that was funny. Thank you for the tutorial. <laughs> okay, so would you rather okay. have a thick Alabama accent but live in New York City? Okay. Or have a thick Boston accent and live in the deepest, darkest part of Alabama? Okay. For me, it does. It comes down to this. It comes down to it's not about the accent. I could care less. It's about where I'm going to be living. Mm. Deep South or biggest one of the biggest cities in the world. But you have a different accent. Right, right, right. But for me, it's not about that. I'll deal with the accent. It's about where I'm going to live. Okay. So you really kind of ruined your own... Would you rather? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. That's my perspective. Some people oh, okay. might be more concerned about their accent. Okay. All right. So if I... Okay. Well, hands down, I'd rather live in New York. Yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. Like, I'll, I'll have the Alabama accent. I'll deal with it. Although, I do have to say, coming from Southern California to the South, coming to North Carolina, 
I would I never want to go back to California. Like, uh, yeah, and and a that. lot of that has to do with the environment, like the actual concrete versus trees. Yeah. And I could actually see that being the case too in New York City versus Alabama. Touche. So my instinct based off of just like stereotypical perceptions of the states. Yeah. I feel like I would be more aligned with New York. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, gosh. So if I lived in if I lived in the deep south part of Alabama, yes. I would have a Boston accent. Yes. Like pack the car and have a yacht. Put some starch on my car. <laughs> yes. Okay. But then if I then the opposite would be live in New York City, but y- you have a really, really Real thick accent. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to me when they do stuff like that on shows. Like, I don't know if they do it on Duck Dynasty. I don't think they were as bad. But where they actually have to put subtitles for yes. it. It's English, but yeah, it's yeah. extremely accented. So, okay. Yeah, it sounds like a banjo. Gosh, I don't. I need to do a lot more research. Research? On you left the- an E out there. <laughs> research on <laughs> the various locations before I decide. But I think I'd rather, gosh, though, New York is not always that friendly. I remember no, going. No, it's not. And and I was pretending like I was a newscaster. And I was like, we are going to see if we can get any native New Yorkers to smile today. What we <laughs> see outside is just a plethora of black and gray jackets. Doesn't look like any color out here. And can we get a smile? And I would just like try to smile at people and nobody's looking at you. And I don't know if I can deal with that. Yeah. But then once you become a part of the community, it's a really badass place to live. So I just don't know. But gosh, and the cost of living, <laughs> I'm leaving wow. more towards Alabama. You've got a, uh, you've got a lot okay, to think well, about you, here. What are you going to choose? What would you rather? I will have the Boston accent and live in the South. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Even though I'm not a big fan of that Boston accent, man. I'm not a fan of either accent. That's why I did this. I I think I could handle the accent. I just, I don't want to live in New York City. It's too big city for me. Yeah. Like, I need some trees. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I would have to deal with, you know, whatever cultural differences that I had with the people around me and my accent. uh, Because just the big city is just not my style anymore. I think. I think I'm with you, actually, and I'm really kind of surprised right now. That's why we moved to North Carolina. That's right. But I I honestly just don't know anything about Alabama. Like, I've never been there. I don't know any... Well, I mean, you're you're being uh, politically correct, but it's it, it's more about the deep, dark South. I think we're on the same page, though. Gonna, Boston accent in Alabama. I'm going to go that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go that mm-hmm. route. So we would love to hear what you would rather. So cruise over to the Joy Junkie After Hours Club. That is... Our lovely little corner of the internet. It's a private Facebook group that I created just for the audience. After hours. And it is so awesome. It's such an incredible grouping of people. And so much support and connection. If you're having a rough day, Mm -hmm. there's always somebody there to champion you and encourage you. I do additional trainings every single Thursday in there called Q and Slay, where you can ask any questions that have come up for you throughout the week. And I go off on them, giving you additional advice. There's a resource vault that's only available for the after hours community. It's just a really great place. And nobody's going to try to sell you their fucking leggings or, you know, their, their shit in there. Cause I really run a tight 
ship and don't allow. That's a good thing. I'm not in the market for shit. (laughs) That's that's good. And another little mention about after hours. The topic that we're going to talk about today, which is all about dealing with loneliness, this actually came out of the after hours community. So there is a audience member and after hours clubster who submitted this topic for one of my Q and slay trainings that I do on Thursday. And I told her, you know what? I'm not going to cover this in a training, but I'm going to do an actual entire podcast episode about it because I think it's really important. So you know what I got to give out to that audience member? A cold prickly? No. Oh, no, no. It would be a warm fuzzy. Warm fuzzy. Yay! That's right. And you know who you are. I am not going to name you as I like to keep anonymity for everybody, but thank you so much for this great idea. And please know that on every episode page, so if you go to thejoyjunkie.com slash 288, there is a place to submit show topic ideas. So if there's something that's been percolating for you, you'd love for me to sound off on, don't hesitate to jump into that forum and share with me what's going on for you. And again, I can't recall if I mentioned this already, but just go to thejoyjunkie.com slash club. That will redirect you, redirect you to the Facebook group. And all of the links, any other additional things I mentioned today will all be on the 288 show notes page. So let's talk about this concept around loneliness, which is actually reaching kind of epidemic proportions. And it's something that affects, it actually disproportionately affects men more than women. But it's something that, like I mentioned before, I don't think we really talk about that much. Unless somebody is single and wants to be partnered we kind of feel like that's the place where we can talk about loneliness. Or during the holidays. A lot of times it comes up during the holidays. That's a good point. Yeah. But we don't usually think people who are in relationships are actually lonely. We don't think people who have friends or social circles are actually lonely. And that is one of the issues that I think is really important for us to discuss because I'm guessing that there's a lot of you who battle with loneliness here and there. And I want to give you some really tangible ideas on what you can do about that. But the first item of business is to look at the reasons why loneliness hurts. And we're going to talk about two major reasons today why loneliness is so painful for us. In fact, Hmm. I have even read in a Psychology Today article that, and I will link to that in the show notes too, that they have actually prescribed to people who are having the emotional pain of loneliness, prescribe them Advil or like Tylenol because it starts to numb the pain receptors in the brain. Oh, wow. And that can actually affect your emotional pain as well. Huh. I was like, fuck, that's crazy. That is I don't crazy. know if we want to start getting in that habit. I don't yeah. I don't think that's a great idea, but the best thing to know about this is if it's a part of our brain, we have the power to change that. Mm. We just don't think that we do, right? We think that our circumstances need to change, not our thought process. So here are those two major reasons why loneliness hurts us so bad. Number one is that we are craving connection with other people. Yeah. We are wired for social connection. And 
a lot of times, even if we are introverted, which I very much consider myself an introvert, an outgoing introvert, (laughs) I do not get my energy. I don't feel replenished and fulfilled and filled up by being with a bunch of people or being around a, a lot of human interaction. I definitely recharge by myself, but I love to connect with people richly and intimately. And this is one of those things that I think is really important. So we're going to talk a lot about this intimacy element. So it can also be that you have interactions with people, but you still feel lonely. And that is a huge issue, and it has a lot to do with who you are surrounding yourself with. The second reason why loneliness hurts is you can't stand being with yourself. Ooh. This one That's is, in more in your genre. Yes. Yeah. And this one is much more complicated, and it's definitely fixable. It's definitely something that has a remedy. However, it takes a little bit more work to unpack that because it's yeah. more of an internal thing. I can imagine. Well, we're going to break both of these apart, but the first piece around craving connection with other people, I'm going to talk to you about four major ideas under this. The first is, this is how we are biologically wired. So please know that there's nothing wrong with you if you feel like there's something void. In fact, that is what loneliness is doing. All emotions, essentially, are telling us information. They're just designed to share something with us, right? Mm. So the emotion of guilt is you've done something wrong. You need to go clean it up. Yes. The emotion of loneliness is, hey, human, you thrive with intimacy and you don't have that right now. Yeah. So this is the symbol that our body's going to allow you to feel so that you know that something is awry. This is, hey, Amy, pay attention you might need some human connection. I mean, even if we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, one of them is a sense of belonging. We need to belong to a group. And so no wonder we people please, no wonder we try to be perfect and flawless. Part of our uh, primitive makeup is to belong to a group. So we're going to twist and contort and do whatever we can to be accepted by others because we genuinely are wired for connection. So I want you to kind of reframe what this loneliness means for you. Look at it as, okay, this emotion is giving me a symbol. It's just messaging. It's just sharing with me, hey, it's time for you to cultivate some connection. So that's the first thing, acknowledging that this is not necessarily something's wrong with you, but something's wrong with your scenario. Almost the same way it is when we get the feeling of hunger. It's our body saying, hey, we need nourishment or thirsty. Hey, we need some sustenance. We need water. We need to to replenish. So I want you to start looking at loneliness being a symbol, being a message to you that you need intimacy. All right? And we'll talk about what kind of that looks like. Okay. All right. So number two under this craving connection with others piece is to take a really strong inventory of your current relationships. So a way that you could do this is list out on maybe the left-hand side of a paper all of the people who you consider key players in your life. Not necessarily these are the people I'm closest to. Those people will be on there as well. But all of the people that occupy a lot of your energy and your time. List everybody out, all the relationships in your world. And then 
on the right-hand side, I want you to acknowledge how rich and intimate each of those relationships are. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, because with this this key piece about what we're really craving and what we're connect what we're desiring with that connection, it's not quantity. It's not a ridiculous amount of friends. I mean, we can see this with, you know, people in Hollywood who end up committing suicide or things like that and they're surrounded by an arsenal of people, you know. It doesn't necessarily mean quantity. It's about the richness of the intimacy in those relationships. And I mean intimacy from a vulnerability place, not from a like a sexual intimacy. Of course. Yeah, I'm talking about just we know each other on a deep emotional level. Something that I've talked about a lot is this concept of vulnerability, which will actually lead me into number three here in a second. But for this item, I really want you to gauge it. And you might even give yourself a sliding scale of like zero is we have it's totally a surface relationship. We have no depth. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen them even emote anything or they've (laughs) never seen me emote all the way to 10 being like soul sister soul brother soul tribe like we are viscerally connected they know how i'm wired how how i operate and maybe give each relationship in your life a ranking like an intimacy ranking how deep how much depth is happening in each of these connections this piece alone is why People can be in, an, in a marriage for 20, 30 years and beyond and be totally lonely mm-hmm. because there's zero connection or intimacy with that person. Sure. That's also why when those relationships end, those people can move on like that. Yeah. Because they've been in a relationship alone for decades. And so it's once they have that intimacy available to them, they're all in. They're ready. They're already ready, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. This can also be why you might have a really great, rich group of friends from college, let's say. Maybe you were sorority sisters or frat brothers or you were in the same type of organizations together or whatever. And as you grew and developed and started to have different likes and dislikes and affinities and things like that, they didn't. And now your commonalities, the places that you can actually have richness and intimacy just isn't there. So you might have a large quantity of friends, but still feel really lonely because you don't feel seen. Right. You don't feel heard. You don't feel understood. All of those pieces are related to intimacy. And that is vulnerable. That is scary. It involves risk. All right. So let's, let's talk about this really quick. Craving connection with others. Four major pieces. The first is to really acknowledge that loneliness is just an emotional message. And that is how we are biologically wired. Number two, I want you to take that inventory of all the relationships in your life, list them out on the left-hand side, and then on the right, give them a ranking of how intimate are they. Number three, practice vulnerability with the right people. So when you go back and look at your list, when you look at your inventory, there are going to be people on there that you don't want to be vulnerable with. It might be your parent and vulnerability with them always equaled pain. That might not be the place for us to attach to rich connection. One of the things we do a lot with family, specifically with parents or with children 
is, and I mean more so with like adult children. If you're a, okay. a, a listener who's maybe in your 50s or 60s and you have adult children, that's what I mean by this. We can tend to want them to be close to us because we feel like they yeah. should by virtue of our blood relation. Uh-huh. And so we, you know, the perfect example of this is somebody who is so excited about their work or the things that they're doing in the world. And they just want to, they want to tell their mom because they want their mom to really be proud of them. And so they're sharing their heart. They're saying all these things, but their mom is not capable of really hearing them or they only are able to criticize. And they say, well, that's not a real job. Or what are you going to do with this? And what sure. are you? But yeah. the person on the other side the daughter or the son is like, I'm turning to you because I crave intimacy with you, but that person may not be able to give it. Hmm. So that's one scenario that can happen. The other scenario is you have not extended any element of who you are. You haven't been vulnerable on your end. You've just been waiting for them to magically create intimacy. Oh yeah. Just expecting it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and sense. that's not how it works. So let me give you a kind of a, a truth bomb moment. <laughs> the amount of intimacy that you experience inside any relationship is directly proportional to how vulnerable you are willing to be. Wow. Yeah. I, I, you know, uh, if I may. Yeah. I, I, I see this a lot in my practice too. You're dealing with the... <laughs> mental emotional angle of it right but it manifests in our physicality totally you know that's part of haslow's needs too right is our physical needs emotional needs right mm -hmm. and one of the things that i see is that there one of uh, maslow's pieces is um safety and security right and safety and security is both on the physical and emotional side of his triangle yes. right so if you're feeling that you can't be vulnerable or that you have been too vulnerable and now have boundaries up. Those are physical boundaries as well. Mm -hmm. You might find yourself in a posture that isn't very welcoming, mm -hmm. right? And you can, it just is me saying that a posture that isn't very welcoming. You had a picture in your head of what that was. Right. Right. We and all that, know that. And that might very well be you. Mm -hmm. So notice where you are in your space, in your gravity, when you're feeling these things. And yeah. if you can change your body, you can change your mind in some of these cases. Totally right? true. In fact, I'm going to link to a really great TED Talk by uh, Amy Cuddy, specifically about confidence and starting in the body first. Interesting. And I'll have to watch that too. You definitely will. But another thing that I thought of when you were talking is hugs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The way we hug, the way we shake hands, mm -hmm. that's a physical manifestation of our willingness to be intimate or not. Absolutely. And so I, I definitely think there's something, you're really on to something here. So definitely check out the show notes. We'll put a link in there to cool. both the Psychology Today article as well as that the TED Talk with Amy Cuddy. I think you guys will really, really enjoy it. But it's the same sort of concept with uh, – not just with confidence, which is kind of what she's talking about, but more so with how can I embody being vulnerable with the right people? Yeah, that is the safety and security part, right? That's exactly mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. So like I was talking about, you might be dying to have a rich connection with a parent or an adult child, and they might not be willing. That does not mean there's something wrong with you. It just means there's not an intimacy match 
Okay. In that case. In that case. Mm -hmm. In that case. It doesn't mean that you can't keep trying or things like that, but it's not 100% on you. You have to have two equal partners in in order to foster that intimacy. One of the things that I would suggest doing is I did an entire podcast specifically about vulnerability, why it's totally scary as all shit and why we all need to start doing it more. And if that's you and you're like, oh my gosh, I am walls up, walls up, walls up, please check out that podcast because a lot of times what we are desiring is in direct opposition to what we're willing to do. And what I mean by that is we're saying, I want rich connections or I want a really intimate spouse connection. I want to be partnered. I want a really great workplace, but then we're not willing to do anything. That's right. But I just want it to manifest. I don't want to have to be vulnerable myself. It doesn't work that way. So if you can visualize yourself with kind of your, your guard up or like a wall in front of you, that is the equal amount of intimacy you get to experience. That's right. So if you start whittling Mm -hmm. down that wall, you're going to see a match in intimacy. If you keep going down, you're going to see a match in the intimacy. So I've often said that one of the reasons why Mr. Smith and I get to love as deeply and as richly and as connected as we do. Oh, baby. Is the same reason why either one of us could destroy the other person in a heartbeat. Absolutely. We are yeah. that vulnerable, but we both decided that we were willing to take that risk in order to experience the intimacy. But we felt safe in doing so. That's right. Right? I've, I felt like, okay, she's not going to hurt me. Yeah. And it I was worth like, the risk. Yeah, it was worth the risk. Absolutely. It was absolutely And sometimes worth it's not worth it. That's right. But it doesn't mean that... I mean, the podcast is about loneliness, right? Yeah. So my thought is, you know, there's so many angles to why people are lonely. It's not necessarily just the friendship connections. No. It's a feeling of self-fulfillment or self-actualization or, you know, those kinds of things. And that goes back to what you're saying. If we're not right in our own selves, if our inner self is not, if our inner house isn't clean, it's very difficult to find a job that fits or to find a spouse that fits or, you know, whatever. Name it. That's right. You know, if our internal house doesn't have that power behind it, then it it's kind of for naught. Yeah. That's such a great point. And we're, we're definitely going to kind of work backwards and look at that in a second. Oh, okay. Sorry. Jumped ahead. But this is really if what, you know, if we're looking at those two major reasons of why loneliness hurts, one being I'm really craving a connection with other people. And which is what we're on. Right. Yes, and then yeah, the yeah. other, the second one is you can't stand being by yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, very different thing. Gotcha. But sometimes, which actually is kind of a perfect segue into number four under craving connection with others is to take action. So sometimes you are experiencing loneliness because you're in a new place. I went through that Mm -hmm. when we first moved here about a year ago. I was like, I just feel like I don't have my people out here. My bestie is here, which is awesome, but she's about two hours away. So it's a, you know, take some planning. And I was really missing that. So the piece around this is really taking ownership. So this is take action. This means taking initiative. This means inviting people out. This means making plans. This means exploring. So in that situation, what I did is I joined a kickboxing gym, which has been awesome. I've made some great friends that way. I'm always telling Mr. Smith about all my my buddies that get kickboxing. And 
have have really started to put myself out there. I joined a meetup group about people who don't necessarily ascribe to a specific religion. So, you know, looking at different communities that might be good for me. Another buddy of mine has been talking to me about theater to get involved in out here. But guess what? That's me taking action because of my circumstances. Instead of wallowing in that loneliness and going, oh, this must just be because I suck. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that's just hard because I live in this new place. Or it's just so hard because my kids moved out. Yeah, you can stay in that place forever, but you're going to be a fucking victim. It's kind of cop out. Yeah, And you, you're you rendering yourself powerless. And, honey, you are a fierce badass with tons of power. You can get out there and make some fucking plans. You can be vulnerable. You will survive. I promise. You can go to shit by yourself and you will actually <laughs> survive. I promise. That's- Getting all worked up. I love it. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> so that's that's a huge element here is recognizing that messaging from the loneliness. Hey, something's awry. You're craving connection. But then getting into action. What can I do? Right? Like Mr. Smith likes to say, throw it in the trash can't. That's right. Anything that you are like, well, I can't do this and I can't have my kids live with me anymore or I can't just make a partner appear. Of course not. But what can you do? Can you get involved in new organizations? Can you volunteer? Can you get involved in philanthropic work? Can you introduce yourself to the neighbors? Can you post online in a group that's geographically close to you? Can you go to Meetup Talk? Yes, you can do all of those things and you can take action. And then the, the piece is if you meet somebody who's of interest to you, initiate, ask people. To do things. Don't be the one who always has to be asked. Go initiate. If there is somebody on your list that it actually is a really rich connection, maybe you you rank up there in like an eight, but you guys both have families and you don't get to connect as often. Mm-hmm. Make it important. Take some initiative. Get out there and make those connections. All right. So under the craving connection with others, number one, know that this is how we are biologically wired and loneliness is just messaging telling you you need some connection number two get that inventory of of your relationships out on paper number three practice vulnerability with the right people not just the people you wish could reciprocate (laughs) the people who genuinely are able to create a safe space for you more on that in the vulnerability pod too in the show notes and then finally number four take action get into action so that's the first piece The second piece is if you are experiencing loneliness, and I do hear this with people who their identity is so much more wrapped up into how other people view them, that they have the hardest time being peaceful by themselves. And I'll tell you right off the bat, number one, this is typically a self-worth thing. Hmm. Not always. So I'm not talking just about being extroverted or introverted. I am talking about not liking yourself so that you try to avoid being by yourself at all costs because it's uncomfortable to be with your own emotions. It's uncomfortable to look at yourself, to see yourself. And that's a real reality for a lot of people. That's why we have this epidemic of busyness in our world, I think, for a number of reasons. But that's definitely one of them. I don't have to feel. I don't have to think about, you know, the trajectory of my life. I don't have to think about all these things. So let me just stay busy as fuck. Because when I'm alone, 
Then I'm alone with my thoughts. Mm. I have to really contemplate who I am in this world. And honey, that's a worth thing. That is a self-worth piece. So what I want you to ask yourself, if this is you and you're like, oh, yeah. And I'm not talking about, I have a million and one things to do, so I can't sit still. I mean, I mean, you don't like to be with you. That's what I'm talking about. It's uncomfortable for you to just be. I want you to ask yourself, what am I making it mean that I am alone? What am I making it mean that I am alone? Sometimes it's simply, I'm going to have to look at how I feel. If I'm alone, I have to look at how I feel. And for a lot of people, that's like kryptonite. I was just talking to one of my classes about this the other night, about how we don't advocate feeling emotions, right? So if you've had a really fucking rough day at work, we don't want to feel that. We don't want to come home to an empty house and just feel that. I'd rather drink that away (laughs) or I'd rather Facebook that away or do something so I don't have to feel. So you might even look at your behaviors that you employ when you are alone. Are they escapism? Hmm. Are they numbing? And is it related to emotional intelligence? That, spoiler alert, is what's happening for most of us because humans don't want to feel pain, period. Emotional or physical. So if we're in any kind of pain, loneliness included, how can I make it stop? The best thing you can do is look at it in the fucking face and dissect it and feel it and do whatever you need to do to process it. So... What am I making it mean that I am alone? Take some time to journal about that. Sometimes it's what we make up about being partnered. I see this a lot of times for people who who are single, that I'm not valuable unless I'm partnered. And so being alone amplifies that insecurity, which is another self-worth thing. All right. So number two is I would, and this is kind of a practical piece, is I would love you to create a list Something like uh, I'm on my own list or my personal power list or something like that of activities that really have heart and meaning for you, not the things that make you wallow in self-pity. So for instance, if you tend to stalk your ex's Facebook page or go through old memorabilia and it just makes you feel even more lonely, mm. those are not the activities. That's yeah, not the ones. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So think about, is there a hobby you would love to pick up? Could you start doing that? Are there documentaries you've been meaning to catch up on? Is there outdoor stuff that you really want to to do? And then those obviously are a little bit more intense. You can also have really small ones like coloring. You know, it doesn't have to be this adoption of a brand new hobby. Now, I don't. I think that could be amazing for you, but look at what can I create? What are all these things that I know really are rich for me and get them all out on paper so you've got kind of a go-to so that you don't stalk your your ex's Facebook page or you don't look at how everybody from the office is getting together without you on Facebook or whatever it is, right? So start putting together a list of your go-to things, and I would have some that are really quick to implement, like 
coloring or I love burning incense or I love doing like a, a goddess card reading or a rune reading, something like that. That's a quick thing. And things that take a little bit longer times like hobbies or cooking a meal or going outside or things like that, that you know will fulfill you, period, just by virtue of it's things that you enjoy. And that's it right? Taking your power back. I don't have to have all of these things happening in my world to take control of my action and my activities. All right. So number one, know that this is a self-worth thing and start asking yourself, what am I making it mean that I am alone? Number two, create your list of I'm on my own or a personal power list, something like that, where you can go to it and actually infuse your time with something that's of merit for you. And then finally, number three, get support. If it is a self-worth issue, you guys, this is an inside job and it usually needs guidance to evoke. Okay. And this is what I do. I mean, this is really sort of the nucleus of a lot of the work I do is around enoughness and around self-worth. And it can look in the form of like a coach like myself. It could be a therapist. It could be group programs. It could be church groups. It could be meetup groups. It could be one friend of yours who you are really close to and you need to kind of talk this out, this self-worth thing out, get your support because that shit does not change magically. It's very possible to change. I think I've mentioned on a couple of our shows how the subconscious and the conscious mind work. Our belief about our worth is housed in our subconscious mind, which is 88% of our brain, which means it's running the show. It is totally running the show. Mm -hmm. So if 12% of your conscious mind knows that that's the issue, but isn't really doing anything to get to the root of the issue that's housed in the subconscious, you will live a life of not enoughness. The great news is it's possible to change, but you have to commit to it and you have to find the right resource, the right support person. Sometimes it's an amazing therapist. It can be tons of different elements of support. So... That is my extreme recommendation because I can't say to you, you're going to remedy your loneliness by genuinely believing in yourself and then saying that's just a snap of the fingers because it's not. I definitely am going to link to a self-worth pod that I've done if that hits home for you. But usually we're in one of these two camps. It's either I really am craving deep, rich, intimate connection or I have a really hard time with who I am. By myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So just a quick recap. If you are in that camp of can't stand being by myself, number one, self-worth thing. What am I making it mean that I'm alone? Number two, create that list. And then three, get support. Anything you wanted to throw into the space, babe? No, I think I've added what I thought would be pertinent. It, it kind of goes, your last piece goes back to what I was saying earlier about being able to make strong connections and feel that fulfillment and self-esteem and all those things, they, they go hand in hand. You know, and you have to look at it from both angles. There might be the person that is so wrapped up in their job that they don't have time for friendships, right? Does that mean that they have put themselves into that situation because they're afraid of be- having friends? Or is it they've been so focused on their job that they just haven't had time, right? What angle is it that, yeah. you know, really kind of dissecting what it is about your loneliness that keeps you there. That's right. I think that is probably my input. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's a tricky one 
But I think if we can look at it, even if the only thing you take away from this is that loneliness is just a message. Yes. I like that. You get to decide what the message is. What is it that it is trying to tell you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And something is amiss. Something is awry. And you have the capability of changing it, period. That's the deal. And if the self-worth stuff is really hitting home for you and you really want to know how, then hit hit me up. I don't – we will be doing some more programs coming up here pretty soon. You can always just go to thejoyjunkie.com, hit contact, and just send me a message and let me know that you are really interested in getting a handle on self-worth stuff. It really is my my wheelhouse. It's kind of my zone of genius. Yes, like it to is. Say, it's so incredible to watch people. In fact, yesterday and today, I got messages from two past students who went through Deep Down and Dirty. And one was taking a fierce stand in her workplace, standing up to her bosses so that she wouldn't get transferred to a totally different place that she did not want to be transferred to. Oh, nice. Called her own meeting, stood up for herself kicked some fucking ass, you know who you are. And then another <laughs> one who was hating her career and just finished her life coach certification and told me she would never have been able to do it without me. Why? Because she's not capable of going through training? Fuck no. She didn't believe in herself enough yeah, before. It was, right. I'm not enough to accomplish my dreams. So anyway, I could go on and on and on mm-hmm. and on about that. But yeah, go to the contact tab on my site and just hit me up and let me know if that's something that you're interested in. And we'll be sure to let you know when the opportunity comes up. All right, guys. So it has been an awesome time connecting with you. And we will see you around these parts next week. Here's to loving and living your most badass life. Mr. and Mrs. Smith out. Out.